All right, good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Miss Sarah, how is the fall weather treating you? Oh, I am loving it. I carved pumpkins. Wow, overachiever right there. I, I guess did. we are getting close. So actually, I was a big overachiever, mm. so I had a whole fall day. We carved pumpkins. We uh, made fall cookies. We watched Hocus Pocus. Oh, wow. It's a big day. So I got a serious question for you. Okay. Are you one of the pumpkin pumpkin spice fanatics? I do not like the taste okay. of pumpkin spice. Like, it is such a thing. And, you know, honestly, I've probably never tried it. I'm not a foofy coffee kind of person. I would consider yeah. that maybe. Um, but everybody else seems to be. So I just wanted your take of whether you were a big fan of the old pumpkin spice. No, and let me tell you what I tried for the first time, and um, it's so gross. I have it in the <laughs> <laughs> I have it in the back of my fridge. I went to Aldi, and yep. Aldi is a fanatic love, when it comes I to like Aldi's. pumpkin stuff. I do too, and so they had some pumpkin. I think it was either pumpkin spice or pumpkin spice apple something mm. like that and it's an ale and i thought you know what that sounds like it would actually yeah. be really good just the different flavors mm -hmm. no it is so tart and oh. just ugh. yeah so i drank one and i thought nope and then <laughs> I, I thought my husband he'll drink it because he'll drink anything and he's like no this is gross <laughs> really? so now we have like four of those pumpkin oh, ale things it. so if hey if you want to try one i'll bring it well no that's like hey this smells bad come smell it no i'm good <laughs> if, if, if it doesn't taste good to you then no i'm, I'm good i know well hey you never know it's really tart and kind of bitter tasting some people like that that's just that's not my alley you know we almost we were at the little uh apple market there and clever the oh, other uh -huh. night i really love that i always place. wanted to go there it's it's they do a good job out there they really do of course i grew up in marionville and mm -hmm. there's an apple market there as well um they had when you walked in your apple cider obviously i should right. have grabbed some stacy asked me about that and i said nah but in hindsight i should have got some but what i did get is happy apples. Have you ever had a happy apple? I don't believe I have. So it's a caramel apple that's okay. on a stick, kind of like a lollipop, if you will, covered in like some kind of a nut. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, and so well, I have had a happy apple then. Just didn't know that was the name of it. Well, so this is the company that like mass produces them. Gotcha. My, actually, it was my grandpa's brother. So that would be my great uncle, I suppose. He started Happy Apples in Washington, Missouri. Well, no kidding. And so I always try and patronize the family business out there, and I love them. When I was a kid, he would send a huge case to everybody in the family. And so that, I guess, Halloween for me revolves around Happy Apples, and I love Happy Apples. Aw. So that's kind of what Halloween means to me, I guess. Yeah. We were having a discussion, uh, I forget where I was at, but it was a bunch of folks and they were talking about haunted houses. Yes. Are you a haunted house person? Uh, so I used to be, and then I got together with Ryan and Ryan is terrified oh. of like haunted houses and all that. Huh? No, it is not his jam. And the last haunted house we went to actually was a haunted corn maze and mm -hmm. it was out, I think it was out in Verona. Yeah. Been and, there many times. Oh my gosh. About halfway through, <laughs> Ryan got so scared, he actually used me as a human shield <laughs> to offer me up to this guy who was chasing us around with a chainsaw. And I'm like, really? 
and then I still married him. So what yeah. does that say about my decision? Well, you know, <laughs> like we this may be more his speed though. Uh, so I've done a lot of haunted things over the years, taking the kids to them. They're all pretty old, and they don't want to have you know old people hanging around with them now at the at the haunted houses or corn mazes. But my favorite one, and I don't think they do it in Branson anymore that I know of. They did a haunted uh, like stone quarry, oh. and they they let you ride and built racks in the back of these pickups, mm-hmm. and you paid admission, and then you also paid for the amount of paintballs that you wanted. And so you rode in the back of the truck with a paintball gun, and then as the chainsaw guy or whoever would come out, you got to shoot him with that paintballs. That sounds so fun. It was the Whoa. best time that I've ever had. They had some old Ford pickups, so I was checking out the the vintage of the, the trucks we were riding in. And they had little hay bales kind of stacked in there and racks on the side i think they whoever i was talking about said that they do that in like uh around purdy somewhere okay. there's another haunted corn maze down there and maybe they do it through the field or the woods or i don't know what they do but i strongly recommend that if you're looking for recreational things to do out there whether you like haunted houses or not in the back of a pickup with a paintball gun is absolutely a blast that sounds like a lot of fun i could not recommend it anymore now obviously we have our little one brindley and so probably not going to do that this year it would be more about you know the sensory touches she's she's three if anybody um i guess the backstory on brindley and i have a little bit of a political thing with her as well she is a trisomy 13 child which you know we all have a certain amount of chromosomes you should have two two chromosomes per whatever spectrum and her 13th chromosome she has an additional chromosome so that's where we've kind of struggled and i don't talk about her a whole lot but um you know she's had some heart surgeries and diaphragm surgeries and she's doing really really good she's off oxygen um mostly off her feeding tubes and whatnot and so she's kind of starting to get to be a little kid um she she is uh fairly autistic but that's perfectly fine as far as i'm concerned um, so I'm excited, the reason I bring all that up, about carving pumpkins uh, so she can kind of get the sensory of the slime, oh, yeah. which should be a pretty pretty enjoyable experience for her. But as we're shifting, I bring all this up, and I guess we should make this about cars at some point through the show, but I bring all this up because the season is definitely changing tremendously right now. You know, the last few days we went, well, I'd say let's go the last few weeks, we went from, you know, mid-90s, not that long ago, down to highs in the 50s and lows in the 30s. Now, a lot of what I see in the, in the automotive industry swings drastically right now this time of year. So we get a lot of tire pressure monitor lights on, which, you know, as the temperature cools off, if I remember my specs correctly, roughly for every 10 degrees, you lose 4 PSI of cold static air pressure in your tire. So... What that means is, you know, three weeks ago when you set the PSI at, say, 44 and the temperature was 80 outside, now that we get down into the 30s, some of those vehicles, that is a big enough swing to set the tire pressure monitor light. Doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the tires or or you have a leak. That's just kind of part of how that system works. So if you're noticing that, you're going to need to adjust the tire pressure I strongly recommend kind of a winter checkout. If you can do it yourself and you're a DIY person that really knows your vehicle or the late model vehicles out there, you need to make sure that the cooling system is is as 
top tipped off as it should be, as well as the freezing point. And then something we do at the shop quite often is a pH balance or acidity test. And now coolant has come a long, long way. So it's not something where you got to change it every few years and every 20 to 30,000 miles. Sometimes I'll see 100,000 and the coolant's still in fine shape. But what I want to make sure is, you know, if you've owned the vehicle for 10 years, you know nobody's put water in the system. But a few times already this year, I've had people come in and say, hey, we had a leak through the summer. We topped it off with water, which is great because that keeps you from having an overheat issue and, and damaging a, a very expensive engine. But what happens is that lowers or raises, however you want to say it, it uh, your tolerance to freezing temperatures. So where, you know, negative 20 or 30 is, is pretty much our part of the country where I want to see the freezing point at a minimum. You may raise that to single digits. Now, here in Missouri, we do have some single digits sometimes that'll set in for a few days. And again, I don't see this too often, but I'm, I'm kind of, this is a public service announcement, if you will. You need to check it, especially if you haven't owned that vehicle previously. If you do it, that's fine. There's some cheap test kits out there that do an adequate job. I would I would spend a little bit more. I think the small ones are, you know, like six bucks. Um, you need to get a good full volume or whatever the, uh, the size that it sucks the coolant in. And you need to do it cool, by the way. You don't want to burn yourself doing this. But you need to get a good reading on it, make sure it's in good shape at a bare minimum. And then function check the defrost function, the heat function, um, the windshield wipers. I was uh, literally replacing some of the wipers on our cars and I found some snow and ice rated wipers. Trico makes them. Uh, I don't have any mileage on them yet. I've ordered them. I will definitely let you guys know if they're worth the investment as well. But Sarah and I need to step into our first break. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back, Sarah Dustin. A1 Custom Car Care. Kind of took a little walk through the, uh, the change of the season, I guess, in our prior segment. But something I want to talk about in this segment, and I'd really like some of the listeners' feedback. This United Auto Workers strike is really starting to be a thing. You know, I feel like we were kind of gloom and doom the last few years with COVID and all the shenanigans that went on with the supply chain. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm exhausted even talking about that anymore. And really, it did get better there for a little while when the world kind of, quote unquote, opened back up. Um you know, I don't want to put my tinfoil hat on too much. I want to keep to the facts as far as I understand them to be at this point. But this United Auto Worker deal is really, especially for our domestic manufacturers, you know, if you have a Hyundai, Kia, Honda, Toyota, you know, all that stuff out there, most of that stuff is still pretty available. But uh, we were doing some transmission service for a customer, uh, pretty late model General Motors product. I, I don't recall the mileage. I'm going to say 150-ish thousand miles. The transmission smoked and let go in it. So we got a new unit, and no big deal. That was available. It's like, sweet, you know, we'll be able to get these folks back on the road. It's all good. Well, we needed an O-ring. This was an all-wheel drive SUV, and there's a, what they call a power takeoff unit or basically a transfer case for anybody old school out there. And it's it's kind of married or bolted right to the side of the front-wheel drive transaxle. Well, there is an O-ring that in order to get back in there and change that O-ring later, if we had had a problem with it, 
we'd have had to drop the cradle, subframe, engine, suspension, transmission, all as one unit out of the bottom to change that O-ring. I don't know about you all. Um, we do this every day. Obviously, this is who A1 Custom Car Care is. But if I can avoid having to redo all that for a you know $5 O-ring, I'm going to put a new O-ring in there because I want that repair to last as long as the original did, if not longer. So you would think, hey, transmission's available. O-ring is not available, or it wasn't. It took us almost a week to get this O-ring, and it wasn't like we knew that it was going to take a week to get. We placed the order. We knew it needed the, the O-ring. Transmission showed up. O-ring didn't. So we call. Oh, yeah, we can get it to you tomorrow. And then tomorrow turned into the next day and the next day and the next day. It ended up taking us an additional five days. Now, from the customer side of it, I'm sure it looks like, hey, A1 Customs dropped the ball here. And really at the, the end of it, the buck stops with us. I totally get that. Now, we did stay in good communication. Hey, you know, we've called. They were supposed to be here today. It didn't show up. We're sorry. We're going to keep on them about it. And then eventually we finally did get the O-ring. So the vehicles should pretty much just be about finished right now but the reason i bring this up is because as longer as it went on of us not getting it it started to become the excuse was it's because of the strike after about the third day that was where they're at well okay it's the strike as well as i just was looking this week that they have pulled the ford truck plant in kentucky offline and they're striking there as well now i'm not picking on the strike portion i really don't want to get wrapped around the axles whether it's right or wrong i want these folks to get what they need um you know the world has definitely how do i put this delicately the dollar is not worth what it once was even within just a few years ago i don't know about any of you out there that go out to lunch from time to time but to where you could get a meal for under well under ten dollars and i'm talking about a, an entree a side a drink um eight to ten bucks is what it's been for a long time and really not all that terribly long ago it was closer to five bucks but i digress the biggest sticking points as i was kind of reading through the article and i think msn is is the article i'm referencing here i'm gonna read it straight to you the companies haven't wavered on uh, haven't waved the white flag on their demands of a 32-hour work week and a 40% wage increase. Sarah, I know you're busy over there, but uh, how do you feel about a 32-hour work week and a 40% pay increase? I mean, ideally, that would be great, but I know that there are consequences mm -hmm. to those items. Yeah. And I would love a 40% pay increase and a 32-hour work week. That sounds awesome on paper, but the business side of it is really what I guess I'm kind of thinking about. Not that I'm trying to protect big business by no means, but if a company doesn't make a profit, they're not going to be a company anymore. I think we can probably all agree on that. As well as if they only have people working 32 hours a week, they're going to have to hire more shifts which is also going to be more what they call a weighted uh, payroll. And the you have to factor the benefits packages on top of those additional shifts of people that they have to hire. So say they have, for easy round numbers, 1,000 people that are working 40 to 60 hours a week. Well, let's just do 60 because that's an easy number. That's probably more than they're working, but this is a little bit theoretical here. So if they, if they chop that down to 32 hours a week, now they have to run two 
thousand person shifts with whatever the pay increase is, say they're making, you know, for, for lack of a better uh, round number, say they're making $40 an hour, you put another 40% on top of that, as well as hire an additional thousand people. Um, the government's the only one that I, I know at this point that is legal just to print money out of thin air. This, as far as I understand, you know, regardless of the, the bailouts that they handed out a few years back, this is still a, profit, a for-profit business. So that money is not just going to be able to be printed. And, and this is just my, you know, my humble opinion on this situation. That money's going to come from the consumer. It's going to come from you and I. So do they probably need a raise? Sure. I imagine they do. In my, end, my uh, calculation, inflation's probably closer to 30%. And that's pretty much across the board for most blue-collar working folks, in my opinion. I mean, we went to the grocery store. I talked about it earlier. Little Apple Market. I think we got like four or five bags of groceries. It was $128 and some change. And that really wasn't like we were buying. I don't think I bought any meat or protein. We raise a lot of our own beef. It's not that I don't eat. I raise our protein. Um, you know, it was just, we got some Milo's lemonade, which is something I, you know, I really enjoy that particular lemonade. So we got that and, you know, <clears throat> pardon me, we got some snacks and just some other stuff. And before I knew it, four or five bags was 130 bucks. That probably five years ago would have been probably 60 or 70 bucks if I had to make a rough guess. So do I understand what they're asking for? Sure. I absolutely do. The, the make more money and work less really seems to be kind of a hashtag fad at the moment. Maybe fad's not the right word, but it's the best one that I can come up with. That's awesome. But all that does is drive up the prices on everything else. This is kind of like every time they jack up the minimum wage. Yeah, the people making minimum wage benefit from it, but the people making over minimum wage basically get a pay cut figuratively because the cost of everything goes up. I mean, you look at rent right now. Even here in the Midwest, which I'm very thankful to live in the Midwest, I can imagine how tough it is everywhere else, that rents a thousand bucks, twelve hundred, eighteen hundred for rent, that buys you thirty days of a dwelling. So I get it what they're saying here, a forty percent uh pay increase and thirty-two hours a week, they're probably gonna get a pretty good pay increase. It may not be forty percent, but that money has to come from somewhere, is what I'm getting at. So let's pretend that you do go buy a new truck, say, a year from now. There's probably going to be a significant, I don't know that it'll be a 40% increase, but you look at even a half-ton pickup right now, moderately loaded. We're not talking a Platinum. Platinum's awesome. Don't get me wrong. If I could if I could have a pickup Platinum, Limited, Lariat, oh man, Trimmer, I love the upper trim packages, but you're going to pay for that. You're going to pay for that dearly. And so that's probably, uh, let's say, a $60,000 truck today. Well, here in a year from now, that may be a $78,000 truck or whatever the additional money and additional benefits or additional staffing that they have to add to build these trucks or cars or SUVs, the consumer is going to pay for that. And now I'm not opposed to buying a new vehicle. I'm not opposed to driving something late model. I really love a lot of the new bells and whistles they have out there. The only way I can understand or justify that somebody can do that is if they drive it for many, many years 
and basically get on the other side of depreciation. And really the last few years, used vehicles have appreciated tremendously. If you've already bought a vehicle, say in the last 15 years, you've taken moderate care of it, or maybe you run onto one that's, you know, was owned by somebody that took great care of it. And for whatever reason, they sold it off and you end up with a vehicle in the last, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to rephrase that. So Roughly the last 10 years of vehicles, the quality or the dependability, if you will, had gone down pretty, pretty drastically. And I'm a big proponent of the vehicles probably within the last 20 years with the exception of the last 10 years. So that would be your late 90s on up to and including your 20, 2010, 2012, right in there, you know, 2015 and later, those vehicles have really suffered. So that window from late 90s to 2010, 2012, depending on technology and make and model that you own, those are some of the best refined vehicles that I see on a day-to-day basis. And what I mean by that is most of those vehicles don't have heavy variable valve timing control, which uh, is a good system, but it the reliability is decreased in it. They typically don't have active fuel man- management, displacement on demand, etc. That's where if you have a V8, it goes to a six-cylinder or four-cylinder mode. All manufacturers across the board are still having problems refining this system to where it doesn't chew up camshafts, it doesn't cause misfires and oil burning in the cylinder, blow by, etc. So if I can get a Chevy truck pre- uh, active fuel management, so that 2010 to 2012, on back to, heck, 96, that truck is going to be more dependable and reliable for me and you than a new truck that you've purchased, you know, since probably 2015 on up. So it really, if you've taken good care of your vehicle, it may behoove you to continue that versus buying something that's going to give you problems and be very expensive to fix. But Sarah and I are down at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to 1041 KSGF. We'll be right back after the break. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back, Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We're talking about the UAW um, kind of, is it an issue yet? I, I would say it's an issue. It's definitely causing some problems on the supply chain side of things. Um, very close ties with a lot of our vendors out there that we order parts from. Um, it's easy to get on the internet and look around and find parts from God knows where. And the quality of those parts, I'll be honest, I've ordered and tried some of those on some of my personal vehicles just to see whether it was the juice worth the squeeze. So far in my experience, it's not been. Um, I ordered some front-end parts from never going to work a stand, whoever, wherever, and they didn't last a month before I was having issues where they were rattling and banging around and components loose and even down to the nut that that came with a sway bar link. It was such poorly made that when I ran it up there, the threads pulled right out of it immediately. When we talk about good quality of parts, I spend a lot of time being real close to our dealers, even to the point they're a commercial uh, business to business only uh, companies here in Springfield, which are wonderful companies that I've got a tight enough relationship with some of them that they will allow me to go to some of the manufacturing plants across the country here. And I've been to several of them over my career. So I was talking with them here this last week and I was asking them, hey, how is this affecting you guys? Because we're seeing it. There's things that are coming up dry that we shouldn't. 
And they said that they're getting calls from other commercial businesses across the country, California, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, New Jersey, calling Springfield, Missouri here. If you guys don't know that there is a, a fairly stout um, supply chain for aftermarket and OE automotive parts here in Springfield. And they're getting calls daily trying to buy old inventory or new old stock, if you will, NOS, that, you know, if they can find it, no matter what it is, what it costs, what the shipping is, they're having it shipped out just to fix cars across the country out of little old Springfield, Missouri. So if you don't think that this is going to affect you, it you know, maybe if you have a Honda or Toyota or Kia, uh, but they're having their own supply chain problems. I got two folks that need engines for Kias and Hyundais right now um, that are actually still under warranty, by the way, that Kia and Hyundai can't get the four cylinder. I think it's two four if I remember right. They can't even get them an engine for these and it's under warranty. So this will be a free replacement to the customer. As well as, you know, they're not going to want to pay somebody like us who will have to charge. I'm not Hyundai or Kia. I can't just eat that warranty um, to get their vehicle back up on the road. So with that all being said, it is starting to affect things. Now, it's been a kind of a bumper crop for, you know, new car sales for imported vehicles because they're shutting down or striking several of the uh, what I would consider the domestic manufacturers or assemblers. Um, probably would be a better way to put it. I thought it was interesting as I continued reading through this MSN articles, you know, we talked about the 40% wage increase, which, you know, I could see why they're coming up with that number. Ford was up for a 30, I'm sorry, a 23% increase. Um, and the UAW workers shot that down and said, hey, that's not enough. Some of the other manufacturers were on board with some of that as well. Um, they shot it down. They're also wanting... Um, some of the benefits, mainly the retirees to return to traditional pension plans, um, and they're pushing real hard for future battery assembly plants, or, you know, we're not here in the States, as far as I know, ever going to mine in the manner that some of these com uh, countries allow overseas for the raw materials that it takes to build some of these batteries. But we will assemble them here in the States. So basically, we're allowing the world to kind of do our dirty work for us if I had to make my own opinion in there. But we want to assemble the batteries, which is a good thing. I have bought batteries. Uh, there's a lot of batteries made over in Korea that are sold as a price point battery. Um, I'm not a huge fan of those. Have I installed and sold fair amount of them over the years? Yeah. If that's what the customer's interested in, then you know we'll, we'll help them. The reason that I it is more upfront to buy a battery made here, actually Warrensburg, I think, is not that far from us out of Springfield. Uh, I believe there's a Johnson Controls plant up there that make a significant amount of what I would consider the premium line batteries. But with this big green initiative that they're pushing through or kind of force feeding us, that's going to continue to be a bigger and bigger deal, as well as it's really ballooned up the prices of batteries. Less than 10 years ago, I could get a battery for under $100 for most make and model vehicles. And those days are sorely gone. Um, it really is a bummer to see what some of these battery prices have gone to. And the demand on an automotive vehicle electrically right now is more than it has ever been. You know, back in the day, you could basically roll start a vehicle without a battery in it. 
and it would keep running as long as the alternator was putting out is should you do that no just clarifying here i'm kind of breaking it down barney style if you will but what i mean is they really wasn't a lot of demand on it they'd run some lights and ignition system and that was pretty much it you know everything else was hydraulic driven vacuum driven um, they really utilize some of the systems and now because of the advances in technology the electrical system drives a tremendous amount of the the creature comforts as well as the day-to-day um, activities of the powertrain system that gets you from point a to point b so where you know previously it was hydraulic shifted um, the pressures were changed or maybe it was a manual transmission and you manually change gears with a physical action with a clutch now even the hydraulic portion of it in the transmission is shift solenoids and they open and close gates that allow the transmission to work correctly along with all the creature comforts and the crazy lights and the bells and whistles and the massaging seats and the heated and cooled seats and the you know, yada, 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 yada. I mean, we could go on for days about all the cool stuff. And I really do think it's cool. That's all electric driven. So you cannot skimp is where I'm going with this on a crappy battery that if you do, maybe you get one or two years of service out of it. But more importantly, maybe it doesn't work correctly, burns the alternator out of it, maybe possibly engine management related. And that really gets expensive very fast. And a lot of folks think, oh, you know, the whether you go to an auto dealer or you go to an aftermarket shop, oh, they're taking all my money. Um, I had a family member here a while back, and I'll never forget, we were pricing them tires. Now, these were big aftermarket tires that were going on there. They were a 20-inch um, going on a pickup. So, obviously, the more tire, the more weight, uh, the more money it costs. And when I priced it out, they were like, man that's a month's salary for us. I'm like, I get it, but I'm not taking that money. That money's going to the manufacturer, the the vendor that these tires go to. Do we charge a little bit to install them? Heck yeah, because it was a wrestling match to get those tires on these big old rims and get them balanced correctly. Um, now, I have thankfully been a big part of keeping those tires rotated for, for these folks, um, so they're getting as much mileage as possible out of them, but the perception is that the the you know retailer takes all the money. Well, the retailer is just really kind of the middle person on this, and most of that goes back to the vendor, distributor, manufacturer, whoever, in getting those tires installed. And the same is on batteries. It's not like I'm making a million dollars off a battery. It, you know the people that are mining it and assembling it maybe are doing well, but most of it for a, a retail establishment, it's kind of a pass-through on, on the majority of it. I share all that with you because if you skimp on part quality, you are going to pay for it in the end. It's pay me now or pay me later, and I don't want your cars broke down. But Sarah and I need to step into one more break. We're going to wrap this show up in a nice little bow right after this. Your complete car care solution. Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. So, Sarah, do you order many car parts? You know, that is all that my cart is filled with. I, it, you know, surprisingly, <laughs> there are car parts in my cart, believe it or not. I know that's probably a shocker. Car parts and tools. That's no, kind of my but go-to. I do have to order myself a brand new windshield. Uh oh. I know. 
That was dang old Arkansas roads. Did I tell you this? No. Huh? Oh, my gosh. So I took a trip, I guess it's been a couple of weeks now, to Tennessee. The husband and I celebrated our anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. And it 28 was 28 years. Yes. <laughs> and we had a really good time. We went to Nashville, and then we went to Memphis. And Excellent. so we did us a big loop. And on our way back, we went through Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And those dang Arkansas, I, I guess they are our daughter. AR dot maybe I don't know what it would be. Yeah. Anyways, so whatever they are, they had just got done chipping and sealing oh. a road, and so we were driving on it, and bam, this big old rock came unglued mm. and just hit the windshield of my rental car. Oh dang it! So it's about the size of a nickel. So I yeah. messaged them, and I'm like can I get this filled? Do I have to replace the whole windshield? And they're like, you're probably going to have to get that Aww. completely replaced. Dang it. No. Bummer. It is. So that is my, uh, I guess, car part. Yeah. <laughs> That's in my cart. It, it uh, spikes my memory a little bit. I have always, as a kid, we picked up walnuts like, uh-huh. for some extra money. And, you know, I know it's bound to happen. It's never happened to me, but it did get my sister a couple of years ago. You know, they a lot of times when you're on our backcountry roads, the, oh, yes. the limbs hang over the, the road. And, you know, I haven't picked up walnuts in a few years now. But she was trucking along, I think, in her little Chevy Malibu. And uh, walnut got her and spidered the windshield pretty good. So Dang. it is the season for windshield problems. We've got one of our oldest kids. I know they. Uh, she needs a windshield in hers. Excuse me. So it's definitely going to be something that uh, I think the windshield folks are going to stay busy. Fun fact being you have a late model car that probably has uh, ADOS. Uh, I know we've covered that a few times. Yes. Advanced driver assist system is what that stands for. Mm -hmm. If they don't put the right windshield in it, thickness wise, clarity wise, if they don't mount the windshield the right height off of the uh, setting area that the windshield sets in, you cannot calibrate the ADOS system. And you have to calibrate the ADOS system with the windshield repair. So we do have the equipment to do that. We do, uh, it's kind of catching on a little bit, but we have some folks that if you get in a wreck or you get in a windshield replaced, you must calibrate the ADOS Yes, system. I had a feeling I was going to be over there after yeah. I got the windshield. Or Can they do that there? or? So here's what I'm seeing. And it depends on the the glass company you call. Um, Not all of them are keeping up with this new technology. And so we had one with a company. They've actually stopped doing automotive glass, but they broke the camera, taking the window (gasps) in and out, Uh and then just hucky-pucky glued it back in there, put the cover over it, and then sent the customer away. So we ended up with it because we do ADOS calibration. So... We had to figure that out, order the parts, fix that. It was about an $1,800 repair that the they did step up and pay for. Oh, that's good. So they did the right thing, but basically they tapped out and said, look, this is not who we are. I believe they're just doing like home and commercial residential windows. Gotcha. And, and, and that's fine. I'm not picking on them. They did do what they were supposed to uh, after they got caught. But, um, you know, a lot of these glass companies say they can do it or they'll try and do it. And then I get it in for an alignment later. Mm. And it's all jacked up. And what that'll happen is your radar won't be correct. So if you're backing up and you got an obstacle, you won't see it. The adaptive cruise control, blind spot monitoring, um, lane assist or lane keep assist won't work correctly after they get done. I hate that lane assist. Do you? I really do. They put that on there just so they would bug you, Sarah. Do you you have a vehicle that has the lane assist? Okay, so... 
one thing that I found about it, and, you know, maybe it's just the vehicle that I am in, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's off. Yes. And, I mean, I think everything's calibrated. It's a, I, what I'm driving is a 2023, so you would yeah. assume that everything well, would be correct. With that being said, when I went out to my Lyman school in Colorado a few years back, we pulled a bunch of cars that were brand new off the transport. Yeah. And the alignment wasn't right from the factory. Ooh. Which is a very common thing. And and beings we do uh, what I consider a high-end alignment. Uh, I've told you the story of why we got into doing alignments, right? Do you recall that? Uh, you probably have, but refresh my memory. So very quickly, I was subletting alignments out. We would do the front-end work. I'd run it down to another uh, shop. And they would do what I would call a toe-and-go. And basically, they just set the steer head. And they don't set the caster camber uh any of the additional adjustments that you're supposed to do before you set the toe. The toe is one of the last adjustments that you do. And so I kept farming them out. I would try different big box chains. I would try local stuff. I just couldn't get a good alignment done. And I'm like, this is madness. It is ridiculous. The amount of money that is taken from folks um, that just don't get an alignment done is, is absurd. So this has probably been 15 years ago. We started hunting around and we got into the alignment business. So our new facility there at Fort and Sunshine, it's my one of my last ones that doesn't have the ability to do alignments. It now will once we open and we're getting very close. Um, but if your caster and camber is not correct, your toe is definitely not going to be correct. So what I mean by this whole deal is most of the time being even you're driving a 2023, the alignment probably is not where it needs to be. Therefore, your ADOS calibration is not where it needs to be. So your lane keep assist is not going to work right. Huh. Okay. Well, that might make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I do notice, and I have the um, option to turn it off mm-hmm. and on if I want yep. to, and I typically turn it off, but I will notice, especially when I'm on kind of the older country roads or yes. even the, the state highways, I will notice that it will try to correct me mm-hmm. when I'm perfectly yes. in the center of the lane yep. and it'll try to throw me oh, yeah. into another lane. And that is terrifying, especially if you have vehicles that are mm-hmm. passing you in the other lane and yep. your car just has a mind of its own. So yep. I typically, I get into a vehicle. I don't like all of those bells and whistles. No, I agree. I like to drive and I like to be in mm-hmm. control and I feel like I'm not in control no, with that. So not at all. Huh. That's interesting. Maybe my alignment is off. So we, uh, Darren and I and Cody, which is uh, both excellent technicians and worked with them for a long time. We went up to Kansas City probably about a year ago and had some extensive um, continuing education training on ADOS before we got our equipment. So we weren't showing up and, and trying to just figure it out. And it was really interesting. They had some images there of how the the ADOS system, which some of them have radar, sonar, some different technologies in there, as long as uh, as as well as forward facing cameras, probably some rear facing cameras. You know, everybody sees the Tesla videos out there, and so all that gave us a really good understanding of how that system's supposed to work, not just to calibrate it if you have a windshield or or a uh, uh, alignment done. So if you're at a facility that's doing an alignment and you have any of those uh, lane keep assist, adaptive cruise control, adaptive braking, etc., cetera, uh, blind spot monitoring, radar, sonar, if they're only calibrating part of that system, you're going to have problems with it. Now, the reason I'm so, I guess, up in arms about it is because right now it's fairly new. 
but there's going to be a tremendous amount of liability that comes along with doing ADOS calibrations and services. And a lot of folks haven't seen the effects of doing a poor job yet, but the insurance companies are going to make sure and hold you accountable. So we put in a lot of max effort up front before we got the ADOS equipment, making sure that we notate uh, and, and document what we're doing to cover our butts that God forbid you do have a problem. We've done everything we were supposed to to make sure your calibrations are set correctly. And that's really, really important because as you well know, you know, our baby boomers, Generation X, uh, even some of our early millennials, we're used to driving cars. You know, you get into millennials later, and I forget what the next, um, you know. Uh, I think they're Gen Z. Gen Z, okay. Thank you for the assist there. I appreciate that, Got sir. Got you. <laughs> Those folks out there are used to having a lot of things done for them. So they're used to adaptive cruise control. They're used to blind spot monitoring, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So where we grew up dealing with a lot of that stuff or knowing that, hey, you got to check your blind spot, you got to turn your head and look, you got to use your mirrors. A lot of these folks, they're not doing it. And I see them. I know they run me off the road a fair amount of time. And I drive a pretty high profile truck most of the time. I definitely don't want to... Um, just rely on the other person's safety system to work and keep them from running into me. So as you're out there and you're looking at these vehicles, buy and own and operate them, they're great. But you had better make sure that whoever's servicing it knows what the heck they're doing. So that was quite a soapbox moment there, Sarah. A little bit. But hey, we've got about mm, two minutes. So shop update yes it is really coming along it's almost my turn to get in there and start putting in some infrastructure um the exterior is pretty much weathered and dried in which is a big big spot um we've got some of the doors and windows on there we've got the roll-up doors operating concrete's done they're pulling wiring and, and hooking up electricity inside the building so that's really exciting I'm going to play a role in some of the finish portion of the shop. Oh, uh, that's kind of special. Yeah, so I'm going to be doing some of the painting on the ceilings, which are very tall. Are you going to do like Michelangelo? You know, I would <laughs> love to tell you I could, but uh, we are going to do a dry fall. They're just stick people up there. Maybe. I might have to do that. I'll put a Sarah up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad to be a part of it. Absolutely. So we're just to the point to start that. I'm going to do my personal time. I like doing a little uh excavating and landscaping work so i'm going to throw my hat in the ring to do some of that i'm going to build the bicycle rack the city ordinance says if you put a new business in you have to have a bicycle rack so we will have a bicycle rack you're gonna are you gonna start working uh bicycle repairs too no but <laughs> anybody in springfield if you put a new building out there somebody on the city council was a bicyclist oh boy so now it's mandated that we have to spend more money putting a bicycle rack out there which we will to um basically that's what's going to allow us to open for business so that's going to happen, and then we will start putting the lifts in, uh, airlines, all the cool stuff, and getting it ready to service cars. Man, that's so exciting. It really is. It's going to be a big deal. November is going to be kind of your mm -hmm. plan to open. Do you have a specific date yet? We're or? still working on that. Okay, well, bit. hey, you better hurry because I know. 
November's just a couple weeks away at and this point. I don't want to be doing this in the cruddy weather. You know, if it bleeds yeah. into December, I don't want to be out there putting shrubs in in December. Yeah. If I can help it. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. <laughs> well, uh, believe it or not, but we are officially out of show. If you are out there in radio land, you have a question for us, feel free to text us. That phone number is 417-447-5743 or reach out to us on our social media. That is at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Be safe out there. Bye.